0: can't
1: even get in. Hey, hey, in. hey, 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 welcome, welcome, woo, 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 welcome, welcome. <laughs> and hit the music.
0: Oh, well, let, me, let me make
1: sure I find a good spot, all right. Start it
0: over, so get your, your head knocked. Hey,
1: there you go. Wow. Good. Wow. <laughs> hey. Welcome. Hey, do y'all do y'all remember the time when you could go outside and breathe right? Now? <laughs> hey, that's the world we living in now, man. Do you remember the times, baby? Golly. Hey, but I'm glad everybody's safe though. That was a good way to tie that in. I didn't know where
0: you were
1: going with this song. See? Yeah. See? Uh-huh. It's the quarantine's editions. <laughs>
0: Didn't
1: Teddy Riley do this song? I don't think so. I don't think he did this one. I don't think he did this one. I know he did a lot of mic joints, but I don't think he did this one. But anyway, here we go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Player and the Fan. Damn. (laughs) Introduce
0: your friend.
1: Hey, (laughs) we got a special guest today. My man jawad sharky love nuts williams
2: <laughs> yeah don't try to pass your nickname on people. don't do that
1: aka wheezy f for babies <laughs> hey listen to me man when i say this is my brother from another though uh jawad williams man 05 national champ played in north carolina from 01 to 05 after that went on to the nba played in japan Israel, France, Italy, Greece, G League, slash D League, whatever you want to call it, Um, played in the NBA with his own Cleveland Cavaliers from 2008 to 2011. Um, Brother, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, And what is this, your 15th year? Bro, you're just going to keep playing, huh?
2: Yeah, I just finished year 15, man. I got Yo! Yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to go to the wheels fall
1: off. That's crazy, man. That's crazy for you to have that type of passion and love for the game, to be able to play it for so long. But also in that, um, just the longevity. Like, and, and honestly, you've probably stayed healthy outside of tearing your Achilles uh, last year. So talk about that a little bit. How, how was that, um, tearing your Achilles, having to fight back? And, and honestly, for real, for real, in record time
2: that you did something like that. Um, tearing my Achilles was definitely – something to remember. I mean, more so for the fact that I hit that crossroad. That was the first time I was like, Man, do I really want to do this and come back? Or do I want to hang it up? But then after about a week of going back and forth, talking to a few different people, I was like, man, there's nothing else I'd rather do right now. So I'm gonna go ahead and rehab and uh get back to it. You know, my mindset going into it was uh it was a quote that I heard a long time ago. Your mind must arrive before your body does. So when I was telling people I'll be back within, you know, five to seven months. Nobody believed me. You know, everybody's like, no, that's a year. Take a year to recover. I was back on the court in three months. I was back shooting on the court in three months. I started playing like one-on-one and stuff in five months. And then about seven months, I was full go. I was playing five-on-five. So, you know, my mind was there. I had made my mind up. you know Big Fletch, uh, the best trainer in the world. Mm-hmm. pushed me from the time I got hurt. From the time I put a boot on, I was training. So as soon as I came out of surgery, I had a week to get the boot. And then once I got that boot put on, I was back in the gym. That's
1: good stuff, man. Kiara, what you got over there? What's happening? How you feeling?
0: I mean, hey, uh, nice to be here. <laughs> uh, glad to be here. Um, Juwan, uh, you have such a... A very storied background. Tell us a little bit about your Cleveland upbringing and um, how it brought you to Carolina.
2: Um, well, first of all, I, I'm, like you said, I grew up in Cleveland. I grew up in the inner city of Cleveland. I always make I make sure I make that part very clear. It's like Durham. You know, everybody say they from Durham, but what part of Durham are you from? I'm from the, the real hood, like not not the Cleveland you see when they show the Cavs arena. I actually live 15 minutes, 10-15 minutes away from there. Um, so I had a pretty tough upbringing. I had both parents. I uh, had had my my family, my sisters, my brother. Uh, we had a, we got a very big family. Um, it was it was a struggle, you know. It was it was weird because how everything comes full circle. Growing up, I said I'll never go to a Cavs game unless I'm playing, and then you know years later I end up going down the road and playing in the queue. So you know everything works out and everything happens for a reason, but. Um, My path was definitely different than a lot of people, uh, especially going undrafted and things like that. But, you know, that's a whole nother long story. But, yeah, I was happy to finally make that transition to being an NBA player that I dreamed about.
1: So, Wheezy, talk about, uh, again, we we talked about you wanting to play for so long. Talk about some of the other things that you are interested in outside of uh, the actual game of basketball. Um, and, again, we, we've we done a lot of stuff together over the years and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I, I know you in a, in a different type of way than some of our listeners may or even some of Carolina fans may. Uh, but just talk about some of the things that you like to do outside of basketball because I know when we do camps and clinics and all that kind of stuff, we talk about using basketball
2: as a tool to get to where you want to be. Um, and talk about how you've done that. Um. I use, like you said, I use basketball. It's my main platform. That's what draws people in to me to begin with. And then as you get to know me, you understand that I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. There's a lot of different things I like to get my hands into. Uh, I have my children's book series, which has started and going great. For my first first book is released. Second book will be coming out soon. Uh, starting to get into real estate investing. Uh, got my first property already going with that. Uh, what else I got going? I got my nonprofit organization, which is Strive to Excel. Like you said, me and you have done things. We've done camps uh, together. Let's see. Uh, through Strive to Excel, we've actually put a lot of kids, help kids get into college. Uh, we we created a scholarship fund in my grandmother's name. May she rest in peace. And now, uh, helping kids is better their lives, man. Especially kids who coming from a situation where they feel like they may be trapped. And you know it's a lot of other things i i 'm thinking about as i as I continue to progress and you know especially with this downtime of being at home, I have a lot of ideas flowing through my mind. I wake up, write them down, and then I think about how i 'm going to put them into the action. Uh, some things i don 't want to speak about just because i don 't want people to try to steal my ideas <laughs> but um, there's a lot more coming
0: now. I want, before we dive into all things Carolina, because of course, but um, I want to expand kind of on your children's series and what's it about and, you know, how, you know, people were kind of surprised that you put out a children's series.
2: Um, Well, the title is Nyla Nash. The first book is Nyla Nash Take Paris. That's my oldest two children. Um, My kids have a very different lifestyle. They didn't grow up the way I did. I pretty much never really left Cleveland outside of AAU tournaments. And then for my kids to be able to travel the world with me and uh, see all these different places, I felt like it was important for them to share their story with other children to hopefully motivate them to get out there and see the world because the the best education comes from traveling. You know, Mm -hmm. you can watch the news, but you don't understand what's really going on in the world and with other people and other cultures until you go see it yourself. And my kids, uh, they've been blessed with that opportunity, and through their books, hopefully they reach other children. And other children decide to, you know, one day hop on that plane and, and see what see what this world has to offer.
1: And that's the crazy thing, man. Like again, like I, I like I said, I, I know Jawad a little bit uh, on, on a little bit more of a personal level than most of our listeners, and, and maybe even you, Kier. But uh, <laughs> what 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 surprises me about Jawad is is his mental makeup, like. He 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 is all thug one minute, but then the smartest guy in the room <laughs> <laughs> smartest guy in the room the next minute. And and like the way that his brain works and continues to just kind of formulate ideas, but not only formulate them, he 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 wheels them into fruition and they become the seed that is buried inside of them and then you just watch them grow. And I've learned so much from Joar uh over the years. So again, man, thank you for for coming on the player and the fan. We truly appreciate it um just from just from just a personal standpoint but also just from a brother standpoint man uh so appreciate you one more time and then we'll dive into this carolina thing here we got it let's roll that
0: was so sweet y'all was so cute i was yeah, i was so ready to kind of see y'all's dynamic together i haven't had the pleasure of seeing and y'all just the cutest little things. But...
2: stop get out of here do yeah you're going too far <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, the the elephant in the room, what makes – and Dave, if you want to expand on this, you're more than welcome. But what makes 2005 such a relatable and almost Cinderella-type story?
2: To me, it starts from people knowing what happened in 2001. Mm -hmm. Um, People watched us struggle so much, watched us be the embarrassment of college basketball going 8-20. and I mean, and they kind of was with us every step and watched us grow up together. What's so funny? What's what the joke?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I must have missed the joke.
0: No. <laughs> Just at the but, embarrassment of college basketball. No, nah, we were. In
2: my eyes, we were the embarrassment of college basketball. But, like, seriously, I think people can relate to the underdog story. They watched us get kicked around my freshman year. And to watch us win, you know, when we added – Extra pieces. We wouldn't got. We wouldn't got our little brothers to come help us, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it worked out. And I think that's why people relate to us so much.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I, I just think it was, uh, like like what I said. It absolutely started in two thousand one, and then we come in in two thousand two, as this you know highly t- touted class. Um, and we start off wow, great, <laughs> and and we think the wheels are rolling, and then you know one injury happens, and then. Now the wheels kind of start to fall off. So, so you see this, you, you thought this this freshman class, uh, guys full of freshmen were going to just push us up. But then all of a sudden we, we have the same struggles that Jawad and them had uh, the year before, and we end up making the NIT. But it was a step. It was a step. It was a step better than what we had done before the, the, the year before. And then next year Coach Williams comes in, uh, kind of restructures some things, and, and now we start to take off. We find our groove. We end up making the NCAA tournament. And then 2005, we ended up winning it. So I, I think it was a it was a blue collar kind of deal is why people are able to relate to that 2005 national championship team uh, that the University of North Carolina presented. But um, for me, it was just it was just how we got there. We 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 concentrated on the work every single day, and we held each other accountable. So I think that's the piece. You know, behind the scenes, nobody would really know and understand that, but. Like me and Wild, we lived it, so we, we understand the, the, what it took to get there. It wasn't easy, but we, we had the talent, we had the team, and, and we were able to
2: make it come to uh, a dream come true. Also, building what Dave said, we made a commitment to each other before that season. Like, it was championship or bust. And we also said no man left behind, except for Dave decided he was going to stay behind for whatever reason. <laughs> um, worked out. Hey. It worked out, though. It worked out for him. But, yeah, we we made a commitment to each other. Like, nobody's going to get left. Let's win, and we all out of here. We just going to clear house. They went back and continued a great career. But, um, yeah, that was our mindset. We made a commitment to each other before anybody else. So, for me, the reason I made that decision because,
1: 100, I was getting ready to go play football. Jokers didn't know that, though.
2: No, I, remember, right. I remember the letters. I remember the letters yeah. asking you to come to camp and everything. Bro, I remember if, all that. If,
1: if anybody had come back. I was going to play football and it was a wrap. It was a wrap for me. Like, because I, like, I, at at that point, like I think I had made my mind up and said, all right, it's either, it's either this continue this or bro, we got to go get our money somewhere else. And for me at that particular time, like I I didn't know anything else. I didn't, I, I, it was either basketball or football. I'm going to make one of these work. And and at that time, honestly, it would have worked out for me because I would only play one year of college football, and then went on to and and now I ain't got the 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 toll on my body that everybody else has and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that would have turned into, uh, you know, a whole other different beast, uh, as far as the NFL Megatron, was concerned. Megatron
2: I would have never existed. Yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely leave Megatron number one. I know, I I know, and it's crazy, like because like nobody really ever seen me play football outside of Durham. Mm-hmm. like and, and so most people really can't fathom or understand that but like I, I was I was the deal in football but it it just it just wasn't my love it wasn't my passion the way basketball was so you know that's the way it goes sometimes
0: um and Jawad I think please correct me if I'm wrong I we were talking at one point and you told me that at one point you were thinking about transferring right Yep
2: So um
0: along like this I've seen a reoccurring theme here because Danny was talking about transferring as well. What was going through your mind with transferring and and why did you decide to stay?
2: I mean, when you sign to go to Carolina, you don't sign to go and 20 You know, you sign to play in Final Fours. Right? right. That was my goal. I wanted to get to the Final Four. I wanted to be one and done. And here I am on an and 20 team where, they, where the coach at the time felt like I shouldn't start just because I was a freshman. Even though I earned that position, and you know, I was like, I don't need to be here. I might as well go somewhere else. But then, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I talked to my parents, and they just reminded me, like, you know where you come from. You know you don't run from nothing. So it's up to you now. And then that, that, that conversation right there is stuck in my head that night. And I was like, man, I ain't going nowhere. If anything, somebody's going to have to leave before I do. So I, I, right then, I knew I was coming back.
0: Batch. Davis, on you. I don't know if you have another question or not. And I have like plenty of you to watch. <laughs>
1: Oh no, I ain't got I ain't got no more questions. Let's, let's roll into it. we got next. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You I know. know, all I know joke.
0: You know, okay, so then I guess um so tell me about your dynamic with, with Dave, you two, um, how did you get so close? Um and I remember us talking, Jawad, and you said that the team is 15, 20 years removed almost, and you guys still hang out, you know, during the summer. Your families are now bonded. Like, it's bigger than basketball. Just explain the, the dynamic that team has and how you guys have grown um, as brothers and not just teammates.
2: Well, I, I was a, you know, I had that connection with Dave, knowing where he came from. I remember when he was the kid from Durham who came as a walk-on. You know what I mean? I watched him grind every day, and then that scholarship was given to him, which he should have had in the beginning. Um, So I had that connection with Dave because I respected his grind. I knew he was a good basketball player. I knew he was a good football player, but he still had to earn his stripes. And, you know, I'm all for that. Somebody earned his stripes, and he did that. He proved himself. And then as time went on, um, we just, you know, that basketball brings you together. When you go, when you play at a place like Carolina, we tell people this all the time. We really didn't have time for other friends. So we didn't get along with each other. We didn't have anybody. You know what I mean? We spend, say, 24 hours in the day, we spending at least a solid 17 with each other. And, you know, the rest is going to us sleeping. Other than that, we're together all day. We got classes together, we're eating lunch together, we're working out together, and we're going to practice together. So, you know, we, we that bond just grew and then, you know, we turned out to be some pretty good family men, you know, in the, in the long run. But uh, you know, even in that, we still bump heads a little bit. Dave, <laughs> Dave, you know, like we all did. But you know, me and Dave had our our spats before, more so because of me. I was just, I'm just, I was high headed, and uh, I didn't like many people. So, you know, we had our little thing like that. If they want to tell y'all about that, that's on him. But
1: we we definitely had our little our little spit, man. And uh, it it was funny because. Um, like I can remember it vividly, and and then I remember I called you one day and was yo like yo what happened, what happened? Well, I was like, where where, where, where did we go wrong? <laughs> and so we hashed it out. We talked. Uh, I I want to say we probably spent probably an hour and a half on the phone, and then after that it was just all love from that point on, man. And then um, you know we we traveled the world together, and then uh, you came to Paris. I remember uh, I remember you was like bruh. I'm not gonna take this deal. I'm like, bro, come on, bro. You like, yo, I'm gonna outplay this little mess they trying to get me. So <laughs> he was like, all right, let's do it. And, and so enough, he did it. Read up that next two years, man. And um, and then I, I ended up getting out of there, but it, it was it was fun just having you there. Um, just to, again to kind of show Jokers how we work, man. I re- I remember it vividly in camp, uh, where we went to the mountains where y'all climbed that mountain and I didn't, cause I don't do yeah, that. <laughs> I said, I said, y'all finna do what? Oh No, y'all. Uh, uh-uh. I'm cool. I'm yeah, cool. I remember
2: you got 20 feet up the mountain. And they was like, no, nah, no,
1: nah, y'all yeah. gotta let me down. <laughs> and then, bro, because I wasn't having no problems, bro. Man, they was talking about if you get halfway up and you stop, like somebody gotta come helicopter. Rescue up helicopter
2: around.
1: had to come. No, I'm cool. I'm cool. I, I, I'm already scared of hike, so that wasn't happening for me. So, uh, so I ended up walking the joint all the way back around to get to get back to the top of the mountain watching them finish and then again in camp like we just we just we just battling we we going at it we we doing we in groups together and we working the hardest and and it just and it's kind of just passed down through the team so uh, just having your brother there uh, somebody that you trust all that kind of stuff like it it was great and then from that point on like I said it just kind of our relationship just kind of blew from there and now we doing camps together we we talking about doing business together all that kind of stuff so
2: it's, 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 it's all love. Even going back, you know, when we had our little spat, Dave, know it was nothing he did. It was just me. I'm a, I'm a movie individual. One minute, I can be playing with you. The next minute, I completely don't like you. And it was one of those moments where I just completely didn't like nobody. You know, because, you know, it was a lot going into it at the time. I had just went undrafted. Um, then I started thinking about things that happened in the past, and, you know, I hit one of the moves. I was like, I don't want to talk to nobody. And he called me because he would never call me. I would never talk <laughs> I ended up in Paris strictly because of him. It was right after I left Cleveland and uh, the NBA lockout came and I got an offer from Dave's team because of Dave. Dave told the team, that, you know, they need to give me a look, blah, blah, blah. And I was I was like, I ain't coming. Like, they must <laughs> know what, what they get. They had contract. They offered me. I was like, I ain't coming. I, ain't coming. I was like, I ain't going to make it. And he was like, no, bro, just come on, blah, 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 And I was like, all right. But after this year, they're going to have to pay I'm going to make them think, right. but make them <laughs> on this, these numbers. Yeah. And I went, and, you know, because of Dave, everything kind of blew up. And after that, you know, numbers, the numbers went nuts in Paris. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, But it all worked out. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's family. You know what I'm saying? That's what we do. We're going to argue. We're going to have our little rough patches. But everything ended up great and uh, plan on everything being great from here on out. And uh, before we –
0: get like into current basketball affairs, Um, just to finish with you, what keeps you playing at such a high level, um, like incredibly high level? You're not just out here just, you know, playing a good 10 minutes. Like you're playing full games, like real life, like you're 12. How are you like keeping-
2: And and you're 40 though. (laughs) 37, don't put that, don't put that.
0: It's it's insane. So just tell us how you maintain such a high level of basketball, uh, being physical, the the mental part of it. Just how?
2: Uh, There's a few things that go into that. One is I take care of myself. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I eat fairly healthy. Uh, I'm constantly working out. It's just you know part of being an athlete. Constantly in the gym. Constantly doing something to improve your body and improve from year to year. Um, and then outside of that, it's 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 a, I enjoy the grind. I enjoy competing against people. So when I step on the court, you know you get people be like, oh yeah, you play that Carolina, I, and they think they gonna come at me, and I have to dead that. Then they're like, oh yeah, you older. What's up? They say, what's up, OG? Now nah, I have to dead that. You know I enjoy that type of stuff. I enjoy putting people in their place when I'm on the court and things like that. To you. What else goes into it? It's a lot. I got the, the best trainer in the world, and Lamont Fletcher. I've been with him for 17 years now. Uh, former sergeant in the military, and he pushing me like no other. I come from a tough background, and all that stuff just mixed in makes me the competitor that I am. And as far as the game goes, the things that people are looking for now, they talk about stretch fours. I've been that my entire life. Like I've been that when they were telling me that oh, you picking pop too much and, you know, you're, you're too big to shoot so many threes. Now everybody wants to do what I've been doing my entire life. Mm. So what they're trying to create, I already am. Mm. So, I, so that's another thing that helps me to to survive, you know? That right.
1: boy just gave us a That boy said, what I'm. I i gotta remember that one.
0: What yeah. they're trying to create, I already am. Oh, that's going on the show. <laughs> you need a 30 on you, Jawad. Um. So, current basketball affairs. Um, Me and David had talked about this, and um, is Carolina currently reminiscing what Carolina basketball used to be? Because for a stretch there, Carolina basketball wasn't Carolina basketball. Is Carolina returning to their premier spot and premier uh, uh, recognition of being a a high-level, everybody-needs-to-go school?
2: Um, I think they're slowly getting back to that. But at the same time, the mindset of these players is changing, and that's kind of affecting everything because it's being proven now. You don't have to go to Carolina, Duke, Kentucky to play in the NBA. You know, you can go to your local college average 30 and be a first-round pick. So why not do that? You know, you come to Carolina, you do have to fit into a system. I mean, it makes you better in the long run but some guys don't want to fit into a system. They want to go where they can be a superstar. They want their name out there. And then, you know, guys like Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, these guys kind of set it, set the tone for you don't have to go to a big college to be a big-time NBA player. And that kind of is steering guys away from Carolina and, you know, other places like that. So, yeah, it's a little different now. It's different. But Carolina is getting back to where it needs to be as far as recruiting and things like that. But I think as time goes on, each recruit is very important. Like because if Kobe White is not successful, you never see Cole Anthony. If Cole Anthony wasn't successful, you will never see these new guys coming in. And if they're not successful, these next who's coming after that? You know, it's 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 not like it was before where somebody's coming in for sure. Now it's like you got to work and put in the time to actually recruit these kids. Yeah, and that's I, I, and that's
0: crazy
1: because. Uh, you know, again, Carolina used to be a place that would just get guys off a of name. And now that, that, that just isn't the case anymore, I would say. All right, yeah, you'll get <clears throat> on a yearly basis, I would say. On a yearly basis, <clears throat> I would say Carolina had to turn guys down versus trying to hunt for guys now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the piece that's a little bit different uh, that Carolina is experiencing that they haven't experienced before where they're actually having to go out here and recruit heavily and and, and, and try to find uh, the diamond in the rust now versus the most talented guys automatically wanting to come to North Carolina, waiting for that offer. Uh, and then once that offer, they are automatically committing because it's the University of North Carolina. So, like now, like what I said, it, it's almost based upon, all right, well, did, did Kobe White do good? Did Nasir Little do good? And if they did, then, okay, yeah, I think I can fit that same mold. And then they go. And then uh, – and now it's more so on that end versus, you know, just being there because it's the University of North Carolina. is really – but but I, I don't mind that either. I don't mind that players are taking the time to say, hey, can I be successful here? Um, and not just going anywhere because of, because of the name, like why I said earlier. So, I'm, I'm okay with that. But now it's up to, you know, North Carolina and the coaching staff to – make make these jokers understand yeah you can you can you can make it here and be successful
2: but like Dave just said I give a prime example Carolina was interested in a kid that I know and I know very very well and I you know if I think Carolina might be interested you know I don't want to cross that line of yeah. getting yeah. him in trouble and acting like I'm speaking on behalf of the coaches I said Carolina might be interested and he said I ain't going he flat out told me like no and I'm like uh, that's that's tough right there. You, you would never hear a kid say like, "No, I'm not going to Carolina." But he was like, "Yeah, they shouldn't even waste their time recruiting me." I know her. I'm not going there. He said it just like that. He meant it, you know. And what's crazy is like, he's kind of from the area, you know what I mean? So it was like, why wouldn't he? But you know, that's that's the that's what it is now. Like, just because you go to Carolina, and, you know, you walk in the gym with that Carolina boot doesn't mean you're gonna sign that recruit.
0: Hmm. Uh, Coach was on a radio show today, and um, this question is geared towards what what you think of the lineup coming in and, and what that looks like for Carolina. Um, and he said, "quote um, talking about the freshmen coming in, he said they have tremendous potential, but you know what potential gets you? It gets you gets you fired. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you guys uh, think about the incoming freshmen and?" How can Coach Williams coach such a – he has a vast number of, of, of lineups and, and things like that. What do you do with such a a high-quality basketball team, and what does that lineup look like for you, Jawad? I, honestly, I think they're
2: going to take some lumps early. Um it's a whole nother ball game once you get in, the, in, the, in college. Like, it's, it's different. It's not high school. You're not dominating the ball. Um, you're not going to get 20-plus shots. You know, some guys do. And it's, it's not – they're, they're going to take some lumps for sure. But I think uh, with this new this new class coming in, with five new guys coming in, they're going to be able to go to a two-big lineup with one big being able to shoot the ball. And hopefully they get back to that stretch four. Uh, that trailer guy coming down, knocking down shots like Luke May or something like that. But uh, I think they got a chance. It's going to take some time. National Championship, I wouldn't jump out the window and say that, but they'll compete as the season goes on.
1: So, for me, I,
2: I, I honestly think this class is, again, it, it is a
1: studied class. But, again, we, we still lack that one thing, and we talked about this on the last show. I don't think we have the shooting. I think we will be dominant in the paint this year. But, again, the national championship teams that North Carolina has had, uh, they have been dominant on the inside, and then they had the shooting and guard play to go along with it. We'll have the guard play, but, again, they're freshmen. Taylor Love, R.J. Uh, Davis, they're going to be good. But, again, they're freshmen. And I don't, I don't see any, uh, any returning guys that can kind of take the load off of those guys early. So now you, you focus on the big guys. So you have Brooks, you have Manley, you have um, Armando, you have De'Ron Sharp, you have Walker Kelsey. You have all of those bigs coming in. So the paint won't be the problem for North Carolina next year. It will be the guard play and it will be the shooting. So like Wallace said, I wouldn't jump out there and say national championship um, just simply off of those factors that I just named. But at the end of the day, I think they will be a lot more competitive than they were this year. And it, it, it'll be night and day. So we'll, we'll at least have something to cheer about next year. But I don't necessarily think it'll turn into a national championship.
0: Now, Jawad, uh, seeing what Jalen Green recently took, a $500,000 one-year development deal with the G League. Um, they just
1: offered that to Greg Brown, too.
0: Listen, they're offering everybody. So <laughs> yeah. what does – you know what? Back that up. Jawad, if you was in uh, Jalen's –
2: or Greg's place, do you take that deal? I'm gone.
0: I, I'm <laughs> gone. I'm I was gone. trying to word it in a way that you can think about it, but, like, I know you probably, yeah. I'm
2: gone. They need to get rid of that, you know, one year removed to enter the NBA draft. They need to get rid of that rule. Because right now, you just holding these kids back. Let them go. And, you know, if they fall on their face, they fall on their face. If they do be great, You know, you hold the kids back, and then when you're holding these kids back from going to the NBA, you're taking a scholarship away from a kid who might need it or may really want it, Um, Mm -hmm. who may want to go to college for free, you know? So don't hold these kids back. Let them go. If I'm Jalen Green and whoever else, I'm gone. I might even go overseas. You know, you see what LaMelo Ball did, um, and now he's turned around about to buy the team he just played for. Why wouldn't you do it?
1: You know what I'm saying? And that's so, we 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 talked about that the other day too. Uh and I and I said the same thing. I said, bro, you can't you can't have guys going uh you can't have that type of money out there and guys not take it. I said any any five star athlete or elite player is gonna take that deal simply because you're you're gonna be one and done anyway. Why go to college and risk where you're not getting paid and, and any any endorsements and all that kind of stuff they can get now. So uh, your Jalen Greens, your Greg Browns, your Isaiah Taz, all of those guys who, are, who, who, will, who have and maybe will take these deals, I think they're, they're making the right move. They're making the right move. And, again, I stated the other day where they're actually going to play in the G League, which is very, very competitive one. It, it, it is not a slouch. The G League, there is some talented guys down there. And, and on top of that, you're, you're playing the NBA game. So you don't go to college and get used to something that you you wanted to be playing in a year. Then you're playing the NBA game. You're being coached by NBA guys. You're running NBA sets. So, and I, and like I stated the other day outside of Kentucky is probably the only school that is, that are, that's like running NBA sets. That's running like quick, quick stuff, trying to let letting you ISO, do your thing like the NBA game is. So, um, so from that regard, and just like why I said, they absolutely need to get rid of the uh, the rule, which Adam Silver stated on Instagram uh, uh, the other day, and that will that, that 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 rule will be gone eventually. So you're looking at probably maybe a max of two years, and that rule will be gone. And now, like like you just stated, why guys will go, they'll they'll they'll, they'll turn down uh, the the scholarship in – at, at these universities and colleges and all that kind of stuff, and now that I open up the door for some of the guys who really deserve, or who may only be college players, and that's okay. But they, but they'll be able to leave a legacy now, and maybe even play their way up into the NBA on a on a much bigger scale uh, or m- much bigger stage, I'll say. So it, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I don't think it's going to be a domino effect of like a bunch of guys trying to come and, and go pro though. I don't think it's going to be seven, eight, nine, ten high school guys coming out. I think guys will still take that leap and go to college for a year or maybe even do the G League for a year. But I don't think it'll be like a ton of guys, like all of the top ten or all of the top McDonald's All-Americans, five-star athletes will go and say, all right, I'm going to the league right away. I still don't think it'll be that big of a jump, but we'll we'll see what happens.
2: And I'll give you another example to put everything in perspective. Look at Cole Anthony. He came in projected top five pick, right? He's he starts off playing really well, he gets hurt. He comes back, he struggles. Now him getting hurt could affect his draft stock. We don't know yet. We won't know until his name is called, you know, on draft day. But if he slid from let's say five to eleven, that's a big mm-hmm. difference. It's still right. a lottery, but it's a big difference. That that injury could cost him a lot of money. Now if you're if he's already in the G League, he's made he's made a little bit of money. And let's say he does struggle a little bit. It doesn't matter already. He's already seen the pro game. He knows what the pro game is all about. And there's no – there's there's not that, that buffer moment where he has to ease his way into the NBA. He's ready to go. He's already seen the NBA sets, like Dave said. He's seen NBA-type caliber. He's ready to go. Hopefully his injury uh, doesn't hold him back. And he's still in the top five, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Okay. So, I mean, does that –
0: um. Do you think that the NCAA probably not, but it's it's fun to play, um, offer students a chance, or I'm not for students, but offer athletes a chance to come back. Like say, if your year doesn't work out, you don't like it, it's trash. There's no way to do that. Never mind, you can't go back to college after that. There's just no. no way.
2: Once you once you get
0: NCAA be super petty and blah yeah. probably.
1: No, what I what I do think they need to put in place though, I do think they need to have in place where if a guy leaves. Like they, they need to extend the comeback period. I think the comeback period used to be like they had to make a decision in mid May yes. or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, like I think they need to extend that to after the draft. Like extend it to after the draft. If they if they don't get drafted, then you have the ability to go back to school. Then and again, that's not hurting recruiting or anything. It's a month. I get it. You you might have guys that you, you, you know, you're waiting on, you're telling them to hold on. We might not have a scholarship. Uh, or, or have it to where if they leave, it frees up the scholarship. And, and now it's up to the, the coach's discretion to say, Hey, we're going to take this other guy because he wants to commit now. So because scholarships are only year to year anyway, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody think when you go to college, Oh yeah, I'm on a full ride. Nah, bro. That, that scholarship is year to year. So like most most colleges say yeah we're going to give it to you for four years but it is year to year so i would say if if you do decide to leave let's say you leave early you go you go and you want to test the waters and you say you want to go until draft time okay but this scholarship may be gone so for now you may have an opportunity to go somewhere else and i think they should go somewhere else unabetted so we'll see Sure. Right.
0: okay um and last but not least uh Wide, What was your your thoughts on the MJ documentary and um, best UNC recruiting tool possibly? I think so. David doesn't think so, but I do.
2: I, and, I think um, so. Huh? You think so? Go ahead, go ahead.
0: I mean, I told David they had white people smiling in the background. Mike was on the mic mm-hmm. with the leather coat walking with Sam Perkins. I mean, it was just like the ultimate like, this is what Carolina looks like, and this is this could be you. They
2: look at it like this, Dave. Remember how when we came on our business or whatever and you looking around and you're like, damn, Mike did this? Now the whole world just seeing what Mike did. Like, think about it. Granville Towers. I lived in Granville Towers. Actually, right. I'm not sure if I lived in the exact room he lived in, but I lived in Granville Towers. So when you see the picture of him in Granville, it's like, yo, I live there too.
1: You mm-hmm. see him walking
2: by the old well. Oh, I did that too. You know what I mean? Right. So now the whole world gets to see it. So they like, I want to do what Mike did.
1: Right, and, and which, again, I said I understand that. I said the one thing that I hope this puts to bed, and you out of all people can probably talk about this because you played with LeBron James. I'm hoping that it puts to bed that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. It's that simple. We can, we can stop the conversation.
2: <laughs> let, me about, let me talk about the documentary first, and I'll get to that.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, answer that next because, for me, it, it, it's hands down, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Hands down, he is the most I'll... he is the most dominant player to to play the game. Now again, I know you got big guys like Bill Russell or, or excuse me, Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, all of those guys. I get it, like but his position was way more talented across the board every single night and he dominated on a consistent oh, basis. Man, we going to get to that. All right, right. Documentary.
2: Right. All right. Right, all right. Okay. Documentary. <laughs> I, lo- I love the documentary. You know, being from Cleveland, Chicago is right around the corner. So I was able to see all the, the, the Bulls games on TV. WGN, Channel 9, 7 to 8 o'clock at night, I was locked in. Never really missed the game. And it was funny watching um the, uh, the documentary because I'm watching like, yeah, I remember watching that game live. I'm telling my wife, like I remember exactly where I was at. I was laying across the bed doing this. I can remember everything about Jordan. He, he, was, he was it. He was the epitome of what you wanted to be as a basketball player. And I got to witness that. I love the documentary. Only thing I did not like is when Mike said Scotty was being selfish for uh, getting his surgery late. That, that, that rubbed me the wrong way because- I,
1: I, I said the same
2: thing. Uh, you know the business behind basketball? And you know, Mike, you sitting on thirty-three million. Scotty getting two million. You right. can't get Scotty without you can't mention Mike without mentioning Scotty. Well, pay that man like that, and then they openly right. and openly saying they gonna trade him. If I'm Scotty, I ain't coming back that year at all. I'm just gonna get right. that money and go ahead and trade me. Like if Mike really wanted it, he could have forced their hand and be like, look, if you trade him, you trade both of us. But you know, sometimes that's too much for people. You know what I mean, like. You asking too much of people. It's tough in basketball when you asking some you asking somebody to put their individual goals and, and dreams aside for the greater good of the team when everybody's not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Jordan making 33, and then I looked at a list. It was Jordan 33, then it was like somebody was at six, and then somebody was at three, and then Scotty at two points. Come on,
1: oh, man! Like yeah, it's easy Tony to say, Tony Cook to coach was higher than
2: him. You're Long Luke, Longley would get more money than Scottie. Yeah, like yeah. you know, you can't say Scottie being selfish. The team is, and now they blatantly put him out there saying like, "Oh, we gonna trade you? Nah, buddy, you can't. Nah, you gotta don't say nothing. Don't speak on it. You know, as a as a teammate, don't speak on what I'm doing with my money. You got yours already. Why are you worried about me? You know what I'm saying? Hold it down. here, so, I I hold, so yeah. let
1: me let me let me Ready let me argue. So to your lip. No, 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 no. So listen, so I, I want to speak to the salary piece. You got to remember, before Mike retired, you know Mike was only making like 2.5, right? After, after three championships. So so he was only making about 2.5. Now, when he came back out of retirement, that's when he got those deals. And he was signing one-year deals. So So I get it. I get that piece of it. Now, so nobody was getting paid, really. The greatest player in the game wasn't getting paid like he was the greatest player in the game until he retired and then he came back. So I get it on that point. But now with Scotty, the reason that I say I do I do understand what you said. I didn't like what Jordan said as far as him being selfish, but I understood what he was saying by him being selfish because they had an opportunity as a team to win another three P. Stop. So stop. Now, now
2: listen stop. listen listen.
1: No <laughs> listen. Because I, listen, from Scotty's point of view, I'm doing exactly what you said. I'm, I'm saying, oh, bump that. I'm not, I'm not playing this game. I'm not playing this game. Y'all ain't finna treat me like that if I'm Scotty Pippen. I am saying the exact same thing. But if I'm Michael Jordan, I'm also saying the exact same thing. Come on, bro, you can't do that to us. You can't do that to us. I get it, don't worry about them. You gotta play for us. You gotta play for your teammates, your brothers. That's, that's, that's what you are thinking. That's what you're thinking in your mind.
2: Let me let's put this. I mean? Let's put it in. Let's put it like this, Dave. I got thirty-two million. We, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I ain't problem. You mad with the organization because they talking about trading you and they ain't paying you. They don't want to renegotiate your contract. And I tell you, Dave, don't worry about your money. Come on out here. You got a family just like I do. And I tell you, don't worry about your money. Come on out here. It's easy for me to say that if I'm already winning. It's easy for me to be being selfish. And we know the business of basketball. We know just because the team is successful does not always mean that the individual will be successful. Agreed. We've seen it a million times. So at the end of the day, if I'm that if I'm Jordan, I back out of the situation. I ain't saying nothing. I ain't speaking on it. Hope it get resolved. We move forward without you when you come back. Great. But if you don't come back, cool. I completely understand that because the organizations in basketball do not care about you. The individual they care about themselves. And you know Agreed. this. I mean oh, absolutely. we can we can break this down going all the way back to college. We know how it is. It doesn't right. it doesn't benefit everybody the same. You know, even like you could say you won, but it's like all right, you won. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You want to be compensated right. for winning. And the only way right. to do that sometimes you have to be selfish. It's hard to play a team game and have to take care of self. It's hard. Right. 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 Now, yeah. we're, we're,
1: we're I there. I did it. I did it right there cuz I don't want to we we can spend hours on this. I, yeah. <laughs> and we ain't got that much time. I
0: didn't know if 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 he wanted to expand on why arguing with David about MJ and LeBron, I didn't know if you want to hit on that. Oh, okay. oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No. now this this debate is always going to be tough for me, and I think it's tough for anybody because it's, when you argue in the greatest or the best of anything, it's always going to be uh based on time. It's always going to be based on time. Like, people who've seen Wilt Chambers play, when I say Wilt's the greatest. People who've seen the Bill Russell era, Bill Russell's the greatest. So it's hard to say, but, like, I grew up on Mike, so it's hard for me to put anybody above Mike. But when you look at the numbers and the success, hold on, Dave, you shake your head. When you look at the numbers across the board, LeBron is untouchable, though. He's giving you points rebounds assists blocks steals and championships now and everybody you know like and like i said we all grew up on mike lebron grew up on mike so it's hard for to say like brian is better than mike but statistically yes he is better than mike but a dominating force nobody's better than jordan so it's hard dog and
1: that's and that is all i am speaking on because if you because jordan isn't number one in anything. He's not number one in points. He's not number one in rebounds. He's not number one in assists. He's not number one in anything, in any statistical category that you look across the board on. He's not number one. But it doesn't matter. The, the, the fact of the matter is that man was a dominating force. Just again, like they talked about it in the documentary, the stranglehold that he had on the lead of people that wanted to face him, that wanted to beat him and couldn't. But it's people right now that don't have championships because of Michael Jordan. Karl Malone, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, you can like Gary Payton, like all of these jokers don't have championships because of Michael Jordan. If that man did not exist, like if you think Jordan was playing right now and you put him in LeBron's shoes and I get it, like this this is a, like you can't you can't even fathom the, but like the, the errors, you can't put them together. I get that, but for me, the way that he had a stranglehold on the league and the way that his force was so untouchable, like he was a phenomenon, bro. Like, and, and LeBron, he just, for me, he just isn't that. He is a great, great basketball player. He is one, he is top five for sure, but he is not number one because his, his force and his, when he stepped on, the, when Jordan stepped on the floor, Jokers was nervous. When LeBron stepped on the floor, everybody stepped up like, Yeah, I want that. I want that action. Nobody wanted that
2: action from Jordan. Nobody. That's true. That's true. I give. you, that's true. Like I said, I said, Jordan is a dominant force. But at the same time, don't discredit Bron going to nine straight NBA finals. Nine straight. And winning, what, three? I mean, yeah, he ain't winning six or six like Mike, but he went to nine. You couldn't watch. The NBA final for think about that for nine years without seeing LeBron. No matter what team yeah. he was on, you've seen LeBron.
1: Yeah. No. And, and that's you know, that's 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 very applaudable. Very, it, very, very like he
2: is no, unheard it. of. It ain't we unheard of
1: because the, it's been done before. But we have never
2: seen anything like this man before. We have like like LeBron.
1: Oh, okay. You mean you've like never the seen, package like, of like
2: yeah. He could score, he could pass. He can just control the game. You've never seen nothing like him. Jordan is the same. Kobe is the same old as Jordan. You don't really want that wreck with him. You don't.
1: Yeah, but 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 again, that's why Kobe will never be number one to me. Because when no, you look no. at Kobe, so you look he's at a, Jordan. He's a, he's a, he's you see Jordan. Of
2: Jordan. Yeah. So right. He's a, right. He's a copycat of Jordan. But right. You you
1: always compare him to Jordan. Yeah. Now I agree. You can't compare LeBron to anybody outside of maybe Magic Johnson. Um,
2: no, I'll just, take my out of that category because he can score the ball, unbelievably. But 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 and magic could too though. But and then magic about, could, he just didn't. Like you, you realize, that, realize the team that he's on. Yeah, but think about this too. Bron is in year 17. He's still dominating. That's are, unheard that, of. And, and and listen, he's and not, and
1: this so is the, this is the one thing that I think that LeBron and MJ are on the same level on. They have like for for I don't know how many years. You say he's going into year 17. So you could say for 20 years now, 20 years now, the spotlight has been on LeBron James. And I will say he has always risen to the occasion or exceeded expectations when it has come to him being the chosen one. So from high school as a freshman and going all the way up to his, his, his 17th season in the NBA now, like he has always been the guy. It, you, you, LeBron James is here. Like he is the guy. But, but also, so with Jordan, when he entered the league, it was like, all right, I got to make this step past, past Magic. I got to make this step past Bird. I got to make this pet step past the Pistons. And now I'm the guy. So for him, it was a gradual, it was a gradual rise to his greatness where LeBron, it, the spotlight was always on him, so he came into it with the greatness. And he's always lived up to that. So I would say in that, in that respect, in that regard, I, 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 put, I put LeBron – Equal to Michael, but as far as the best player, it, I don't know that it won't ever change my mind that MJ is the greatest of all time. Just I don't care what LeBron does, he just won't ever get that from me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> and because, I apologize, bro. That's but. because you
2: grew up on them. That's because you grew right. up on him. Like, right. it's like right. somebody's gonna say, Look, like a kid today will say, LeBron's the greatest player, of, or Steph Curry's the greatest player of all time because they don't know the history, they don't know. Right. They don't know Mamala Durao was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. They don't know that. They don't know <laughs> no better. So as generations go on, this debate is only gonna get worse. You know what I mean? Because somebody eventually somebody's gonna come along and they're gonna surpass LeBron. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but it's mean, gonna Why, be a lot. Right. But it's gonna yeah. happen, just like we never thought we'd see anybody surpass Jordan or surpass Kobe or Carl Malone and all these other greats, but it happens. So I don't know, man. It's tough. I might have to say one A and one B. Like, I'm just going off straight, I'm not (laughs) talking about dominant force. I'm not talking about visibility. I'm talking about just pure, just, I don't, it's dominant. Jordan's dominant. I'm taking Jordan if I want. All right, you want to win a game. Who are you taking? I'm taking Jordan. Okay. If you want to win. If I want to
1: win anything. I'm taking
2: Jordan.
1: <laughs> no, I, I Man, if, I, if, I, if I want an assist contest,
2: all right, I'll take LeBron. I seen I seen an interview today and somebody made a great point. It was Ryan Hollins. He said, Jordan played in a system. You came in and you just get in line. Like it's Jordan show. You play your part. You know what I mean? You had your star, you had your pieces around him. He play in the triangle system. With LeBron, he is the system. And that's true. Because and you can plug him, you could plug him anywhere. And make it happen.
1: That's unfortunate. You want to know why? Because again, it goes to show you that if you he if if LeBron is the system, that means guys around him get worse.
2: Oh no no no! I didn't say they. I didn't say guys excel around him, but people didn't right, the, but people, didn't with, people didn't excel with Mike either. So why didn't they? People got people. LeBron's Pippen piece, Pippen pieces, excelled with Mike. Listen, the piece, the pieces you put around LeBron, you utilize their skill. So like, think about J.R. Smith. JR Smith has always been an elite scorer. He's arguably one of the top ten most talented players that play in the NBA at his time, just based off talent, not nothing else, just mm-hmm. talent. Right. You give the ball, he yeah. gets you a get Raw, raw talent. So Agree. You put him with LeBron, he turned into a spot shooter. So you, right. you're plugging. He's not. He's making people shine as being spot shooters and you know playing their role with him. But with Mike, it was like get Mike the ball, get on the glass. Mike right. doesn't win more championships without Dennis Rodman playing his role of just getting rebounds or Scotty playing his role of guarding, guarding the best player and taking some of the scoring level off of Mike. You see what I'm saying?
1: Right. And, and which I agree with like that, like that piece of it, I don't necessarily disagree that Michael Jordan like was the only thing was, was the only reason that the Chicago Bulls won. That's, that's not what I'm arguing at all. But what I am arguing is like the the, the, what he did for his team and and how he was able to again be great every single night every single series nobody when that man got to the finals nobody defeated him like 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 for 6 years straight dang near except for the 94 95 season where he came back uh early off of, uh, uh, you know, and they swept him. So, like, I don't want to say, or oh, they lost to him. They didn't sweep him. Uh, but Kenny Smith made that argument, and I've been meaning to hit the chat about that, too, about what Kenny said. Um, yeah, hell yeah. He said, him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny was like, yeah, we would have beat them. I'll say Kenny, I'm talking about because they, they sp- swept Orlando. <laughs>
2: they got their championship because Mike Jordan didn't play. play. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. Look what you got. What you what you think?
0: I can't <laughs> We're on such a time limit. I don't even have time.
2: <laughs> Just say Jordan Lebron. That's all you got to say.
0: I would go Michael Jordan every day.
2: All right. You you're it. a smart you're Me, a
1: smart girl. I,
0: I, without having to dive in it, even in the time spent that, that Michael Jordan has done things that it took LeBron longer games and a longer time to even do, but that's a different story for a different day i just wanted to lock in with you jawad about this mj story that you have with this bet and then we got to wrap it up because <laughs> we're coming up mm-hmm. on an hour and i know people are tired <laughs>
2: real quick they they were there the whole team was there so i can't go too much in specifics you know I, you know how people are they, they're weird nowadays that's around. Yeah. right yeah so <laughs> it was it was, it was we were talking about half-court shots, and we were betting about half-court shots. Mike said, I got $40 in my pocket. I was like, all right, cool. We made a bet. I hit the shot, and as he's walking out, he took the money out of his pocket and threw it on the floor. I walked off. Mm-hmm. Like, so then they was like, "Why?" they called me over there as he was walking out the tunnel. I was like, take a picture with Jordan. I was like, all right, cool. He's like, damn you going to take my money and you want to take a picture? you're going to take my money and you want to take a picture? Come on, man. So I took the picture with him. But he was cool. That was, just like, the, that was like the second or third time I had met him. Um, so yeah, that was my cool NJ story. And I, I kept one of the 20s. The other ones I had to eat. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kept one. <laughs> um,
0: so uh, David, do you have any final questions for Jawas? as we wrap up? Anything you want to say? Uh, How much you love them?
1: Girl, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, again, man. Appreciate you coming on. Um, another, another quick shout out to my man Rick for this good old shirt right here. This heels That's <laughs> hard. Yeah, I know, right? Hey, y'all, y'all gotta get you one, man. Go check my man out on yeah, Instagram. Clothing. Do you want
0: to also shout out Brian as well? I know
1: you wanted to get that that in. Oh yeah, yeah, be. I got you, bro. Yeah, F- I like that. Yeah, man. My man B, uh he uh, is F the Critics clothing on on, uh, on IG. So shout out to him too. I got you rocking, bro. This 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 one he made special for me, the white with the Carolina stitch. So um I definitely appreciate that, my brother. Again, shout y'all out. Yesterday I wore my man Mario Bogan, his shirt, rich black clothing. Um, y'all can check that out. It's uh R-I-C-H-B-L-K rich black stands for rich beyond loving cash cash with a k so um Mm. yeah check it out man yeah it's love man all love i appreciate y'all man that boy big
2: plugs i see you boy
1: i'm saying hey 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 get free advertisement over here
0: well Uh, the player and the fan i appreciate you thank you for your time um how can one find you on instagram or any type of social media platform
2: uh all my social media is worldwide W O R L D W A D Worldwide, and then uh, Nyla and Nash on Instagram. That's the book series. Look, be looking for Nyla and Nash Take Tokyo, which will be the next book. Uh, probably within the next couple of weeks, it's finished. I'm just taking my time releasing it, I'm letting the Nyla and Nash pairs run its course. But both books will be available. I'm building a website for them right now. So yeah, Nash.com. Oh, and Strata at StrataExcel1. Is my nonprofit organization. You can see the work that we do within the community. And uh, just stay tuned for more things we have coming.
0: All right. You can find uh, David at the worst, uh, not screen name, but the worst uh, at name, handle, whatever you want to call it, i underscore Coach Noel. How is that the worst, bro? You're just a hater, bro. She's the worst. You're just a hater. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that Underscore do kind of suck my, my
1: Thank God. you! Well, ain't nobody like, asked you to come on here. I'm just saying, <laughs> you got, I I could have been like, like an iPhone, I
2: coach, You know what I'm saying? Take the- uh, You can take it out. Yeah,
1: I did. For what? I like the uh, Underscore. Like, it, I told you it's like a it like a promise letter. I promise. <laughs> I don't know. I, Lord, Lord, I like it. What we get y'all, man? <laughs>
0: And uh, you can find mine at Q U I E R R A underscore L U C K. And
1: uh, she, 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 she her who, yeah. that. Cool.
0: See, now I gotta go to my therapy session because this is, you know, I'm glad this was a healthy conversation. I was waiting to be, you know, traumatized. So I'm glad it
2: was in your I'm
1: be bullying you.
0: We yeah. too. I'll hear about it later. Anywho, I-, I won't even play the message, David. That threatening message of me not answering your text of how I need to get over it. And-
1: it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily a threatening one. It was just telling you to get out your feelings because you know how you do sometimes. That's it. That's all. That's all.
0: Anywho, all right. That's it.
2: Goodbye. <laughs> right. well, I appreciate y'all. Thanks for having
0: me. Of course. Appreciate you, Weezy. Thank you, baby. All hey, right. we holler.
2: All right, dog.